All right, well, we're two weeks away from ending our road trip series. Today and then next Sunday, next Sunday, we're having that potluck like they announced to celebrate the end of this road trip. Also, like we talked about in announcements, we're having one service, and that's all the way through Labor Day. Um, because a lot of people think uh, Labor Day means you don't have to go to church day. So uh, we're just going to make uh, the one service go through that day. And then we'll jump back into the second service uh, thing in September. Anyone else enjoying the one service? Yeah? yeah? I, I'm having a lot of fun. I, just a whole lot of fun. Uh, is, have, you, have you done this thing where you go, oh, I didn't know they came to church or went to this church? Because, you know, we got some pretty serious 845ers, uh, pretty dedicated 10, 30 years those are actual names, by the way, uh, 45ers and 30ers. But uh, it's good to see the 45ers and 30ers uh, unite and join for the summer. So way to go. And then Friends Day, yeah, huge success. In fact, if you helped or volunteered, served in any way in Friends Day, would you boldly stand up so we can recognize you? Bold, unashamedly stand up. Come on. There it is. Absolutely. Woo! Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Well, today I have a question for you. Has anyone ever dreaded? Maybe it won't turn on. Maybe we're out of luck. Maybe we're going to save some money. Oh, never mind. $1,500 repair. I just heard someone tell me, they're like, a $1,500 repair for a minivan. And I was like, no way. That was how much they charged us for our repair a couple weeks ago, too. So that must be the price point. They must be calling each other going like, yeah, 1000 no, that's too, too little. 2000 no, that's too much. 1500 that, that's, that's the price point. So, yes, the dreaded check engine light. You ever have that, by the way? I, I, don't, I feel even bad asking this question. We're going to ask anyways. Has, has anyone ever had that uh, come on during a road trip, during a vacation? Yeah, right? It's just painful. I, 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 don't even raise your hands on this. Anyone ever actually break down on a road trip? Right? I can't, is there anything more stressful than breaking down on your road trip? In fact, uh, think about this. Uh, I-5, Interstate 5, you know when you go past downtown, you got University of Washington on the right and Lake Union on the left. Uh, they call it the Ship Canal Bridge. Uh, my boss in Spokane, they actually broke down. I think we have a picture of it. But they broke down on the Ship Canal Bridge in the middle lane. <laughs> so... And he was telling, you know, they're waiting for the tow truck while people, you know, Seattle, they're just like, oh, how can we help? No, not, they're just, ah, ah, you know, giving them, you know, fun fingers and, and words and yeah, so not, not, not very fun at all. Or I was thinking about two years ago, we uh, were in Seaside, Oregon, and, and we love Seaside, Cannon Beach, that whole area, but there's this Mexican restaurant we uh, just absolutely love. It's called The Stand in Seaside. I don't know if you've been there before. It only takes cash, so be prepared. Uh, go to the ATM ahead of time, but it's just delicious food, but we pull in to park, and then Ava, my eight-year-old, she goes, oh, Dad, there's strings coming out of our tire. I'm like, no. <laughs> Tires don't have strings, <laughs> but <laughs> sure enough, uh, we did, yeah, the tread was so thin, uh, I guess it's the threads that keep the thing together, I don't know, but there was strings, so uh, we spent some family time at Les Schwab, a um, couple hours, but it's, it's interesting, you know, as an adult, like I was kind of grumbling about it, but my kids were happy, you know why they're happy? Free popcorn, yeah. <laughs> My wife knows. They're like, this is great. There was a TV. We got popcorn. Like, take your time. 
But you know, as much as our vehicles can break down on the open road, we as humans, uh, we hate to admit it, but we are prone to break down as well on our own road. And again, don't raise your hands, but anybody else have a breakdown on the road trip of life? And I think if we're honest, we could all raise our hands. Life can be extremely stressful. Uh, just turn the corner, there's trouble, there's worry, there's anxiety, there's sickness, there's disease, and it can all kind of feel like you're broken down in the middle of Interstate 5. But you know, the Bible is not silent about this. Have you read the Bible? I mean, it's not quiet about this at all. In fact, Paul, remember the Apostle Paul, he talks about his own journey and his road trip, and he talks about facing things like weakness and insults, hardships, he talks about persecution. He talks about calamities. In fact, Paul, he even says that he endured, what, beatings? You remember reading that? <laughs> you know, like you're just walking along, all of a sudden you're getting beat. And in fact, the beatings were so hard. Remember that time when they thought they had killed him? They thought they had succeeded in killing him? Uh, he faced riots. He said he faced hunger. Okay, well, that's just Paul. He's just a special guy. No, go to Peter. Peter, he talks a lot about, read First Peter, he talks a lot about suffering, he talks about fiery trials. Well, maybe it's just Peter and Paul. No, keep on going if you want to go to James. Have you read James? Some of us avoid James because he talks so much about trials, right? He's always talking about these trials and consider it pure joy, like, good for you, James, but like, come on, are you, really, that's in the Bible? Don't you wish that kind of wasn't in there? Don't you wish it was like, I can be grumpy in my facing of my trial? Like, consider it pure joy. Are you kidding? Yeah, it's in there. Sorry. You can pull it out and burn it, but there's another copy, and it's in that copy. <laughs> see, as you read the Bible and you read these letters from these amazing men, you're going to see there's quite a few opportunities in life for us to break down. If their stories aren't enough for you, flip back a few pages. King David, right? King David. Have you heard the stories of King David? Have you read some of those psalms? So I, I could just pick one out of the air, and we'd see some of those hardships that humanity faces. Look at Psalm 69. This is David talking. He says, verse 19, he goes, You know how I am scorned. You know how I am disgraced. You know how I am shamed. All of my enemies are before you. Scorn has broken my heart. What a phrase, by the way. That is some really good... Uh, English there or, or whatever he was writing. But scorn has broken my heart and has left me, what does it say? Have you ever been there? Man, it gets, it gets harder. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. You ever been there? I'm in pain. I'm in distress. The Bible is just full of this kind of language. And, and there's two dozen of us here at LifeSpring. We actually are doing the Bible in one year reading plan. I'm really enjoying it. We get to make these comments every day and, and just kind of walk with each other through the Bible. I encourage you, we'd love more than that if you guys want to be a part of that, but no pressure. But if you read the Bible every day and kind of do that walk through the Bible every day without question, I mean, just a guarantee, every day you're going to read about some kind of what? Calamity, some kind of distress, some kind of problem or trouble that the people in the Bible face. And so there it is in the Bible. And yet how often are we just so shocked and surprised when it happens to us? <laughs> Have you noticed that? When you face something difficult, like, well, I didn't. Well, where are you, God? When every day when you read the word of God, there's a trial. Some of us, when we face a trial, something hard or challenging, we act and we respond as if we didn't realize life was sometimes difficult. But in life, you face hard things. I know some of you hate that I say it, but life is hard and then it gets harder. Right? Read a history book. Take a history 
class. Learn about the people who have gone before you. If you don't want to take a class, just click on the History Channel, right? It's, it's the easy way to go about it. It's hard. It's hard. It's very hard. And then you turn the corner and it gets harder. But James says this. We're going back to James. I know we tried to burn it, but it's still there. He says, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. And I love how he says it. He goes, as though something strange was happening to you. Fiery trials. Shouldn't be surprised. Shouldn't think it's strange. It's a part of normal life. But then, with all that being said, this is why I love hanging out with real Christ followers. This is why I just love hanging out with Jesus people. Because they're facing real issues as real human beings. They understand, though, that it's a part of the Christian walk. They come up against really hard situations like any human being breathing oxygen would come up against. But you see this resolve within them. You see this faith rise up within them. The same faith that you knew that Peter and Paul and James and John and the rest of them had. I so appreciate the Jesus people in my life who have this godly perspective on trials. As James himself declares, he says, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, I hope we're not just having this go in one ear and out the other, this stuff is good, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, your faith may be found to result in what? In praise. Your faith would result in glory. Your faith would result in honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Is Pastor Randy here? Yeah, Pastor Randy and Kathy. They're just wonderful models of that. Uh, Ray and Marcy Mayer, one, again, wonderful examples of that. Uh, Rick and Terry. Is Rick, are you here, Terry? Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful models of this. And I, you know, I'm learning. I'm a lifelong learner. All of us should be just learning. I'm learning from these people on how to walk through trials. Last week I read chapter 13 of the book of Acts. Uh, today I want to show you something from chapter 14 of the book of Acts. If you start at verse 19, this is the account. Listen to what, uh, what's the guy that wrote it? Was it Luke? No, Luke. Luke wrote Acts, right? Um, but listen to what he writes. He says, um, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. Again, we just read that and move on to the next verse, but just pause there for a second and be like, oh my goodness. When was the last time people started throwing rocks at you, and then they thought they had accomplished the deed and just left you outside for the animals to eat you? When was the last time that happened? Hmm. Verse 20, but then the disciples, they gathered around him. I always, I, this is not my notes, but I always just pattern like, like kind of kicking him, like, is he dead? I think he's only half dead. Like, <laughs> but they gathered around him, and, and then he rose up, entered the city, and on the next day he went on to Barnabas, or with Barnabas to Derby. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, to Antioch, and just kept on going. Look at verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. By the way, this is all after he was what? Beaten, stoned. 
But what do they do? Going town to town to town, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Let's go ahead and say the part in bold together. Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. You'll hear me say this often. Preaching how I am preaching today is not a great way to grow a church. Nobody wants to hear that. You are not going to find that poster in the Christian bookstore. No one's going to buy it. It would collect dust. It's just never going to be a popular message, but I want to encourage you in those tribulations, and the tribulations will come in those moments of life where it feels like it's a breakdown. You've got to remember, God is in the business of repair. You might be going through the fire, and every one of us at one time or another will go through the fire, but I think it's time for us to open up our eyes to the goodness of how you are being molded and refined in that fire. The goodness that comes out of being refined in the fire. He can use it all for his glory and for good. Some of you are suffering hardships. I've been hearing some of these stories because of your faith. Actual hardships because of your faith. I want you to listen to 1 Peter. He has a great comment for you this morning he says but rejoice everyone say rejoice rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed if you are insulted for the name of Christ you are blessed say you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you yet if anyone suffers as a Christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in that name And it's hard when people attack you because of your faith. But what does he say? He goes, but you can rejoice. You are blessed. You do not have to be ashamed. You can glorify the Lord. Listen to how Paul talks about trouble. 2 Corinthians, a pretty good book in the Bible. Read it. He says, we are afflicted in every way. How many ways? Every way, but not crushed. Perplexed. You ever been perplexed? Every once in a while, like, really? What's going on? But not driven to despair, persecuted, not forsaken, struck down, but no way are we destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And he goes on to say, so do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self, it's being renewed day by day by day by day for this light momentarily affliction. It is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Again, instead of looking at it as a breakdown, it might be time to look at it as a tune-up. Right? I mean, it's so much about perspective. What good work, I, and I don't know, I don't know what's going on in your life, but what good work is God doing in you so that Jesus Christ can be manifested in and through you? James 1, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Blessed is the man or woman who remains steadfast. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Romans 5, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. We what? We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and er endurance produces character and character produces hope and by the way as I'm reading this I'm like this is what America needs by the way knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us 
Romans 8, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, danger, sword. But as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep as to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors. Shout it out, more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, things present, things to come, powers, heights, depths, no, not anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can somebody please say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. James 1, count it all joy. This is the one just if it wasn't in there, but it's there, so I'm going to believe it. Count it all joy. Okay, I swear he just wrote, count it all joy, Danny. It's right in there, I see it right there, count it all joy, Danny. That's my dad talking, Danny. But dad, it's so hard. Count it all joy, Danny. But dad, I can't do it. Count it all joy, Danny. When you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith, it produces steadfastness. That is a dangerous word. That's a powerful word word steadfastness the strength of steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect complete lacking in nothing the enemy tries to use trials to destroy you he's not your friend he hates you he wants nothing more than your destruction but God redeems them to create a steadfastness in you so that you're perfect complete lacking in nothing well what about worry and anxiety i think we live in a culture of worry and anxiety well philippians 4 do not be anxious about anything let's receive this one today do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication or petition with thanksgiving let our requests be made known to god just in everything with thanksgiving our requests be made known to God in that peace of God, which passes understanding. It's beyond my comprehension. It's beyond what even my intellect can figure out. It's a peace that's bigger, better, and greater than what I'm trying to calculate in my brain. It's a peace that passes understanding. It's going to guard, defend my heart. It's going to guard, defend my mind in Christ Jesus. First Peter, cast all your anxiety on him. Cast it on him. Just cast it on him. Because what? Because he cares for you. Anxiety will always try to lead you to a breakdown, by the way. But instead, when you see that check engine light, you got to cast it. we got to get better at casting it, right? Casting it onto who? Jesus. You cast it onto Jesus. Why? So that you can experience the peace that passes understanding from a God who cares for you. What about sickness? What about disease? Well, if anyone among you is sick, let him call the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Hallelujah. And as my boss in Spokane would tell me often, the same one that, by the way, that broke down uh, in the middle of I-5 at the ship Canal Bridge, he'd say you're either heading into a storm, going through a storm, or coming out of a storm. But what is our perspective? And this is my question for you today. What is our mindset? What is our attitude as Christ followers when the storm comes? When you face a challenge in your marriage and your marriage gets difficult, when you face a challenge in your parenting and you don't know how to raise up your kids anymore, you thought you did, right? You always thought you did, but then you're like, wow, what am I even doing? 
or maybe it's your schooling, or maybe it's your workplace, wherever it is where there's the possibility of a breakdown, what is your response? And I want to give us two tools in our toolbox. If you're taking notes, you want to write these down. Just two things to help us in these moments of breakdown. First is this, the Bible. The Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. I'm hearing so many intellectual and creative reasons why we don't have to read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Are you living your life in the truth of God's word? Are you facing the issues in your job, in your parenting, in your marriage, in your school? Are you facing conflict on social media? Are you facing some of these moments of crisis from a biblical perspective? Or are you responding? Again, you don't have to show your hands on this one, but are you responding as the world would respond? Because we're always going to be tempted to respond like the world. We're always going to be tempted to respond like our friends respond on Facebook and others who aren't living by the word of God. But I, I want you to watch this video from Phyllis Hendry. It's a little bit long, but she says this way better than I could ever, and it's a personal testimony as well. She's the co-author of a book called Lead Like Jesus Revisited. It actually comes from a two-day training I was at in Shoreline this week. Uh, just pay attention, if you can, and even maybe take some notes. Pay attention to how the word of God comes alive in those moments of possible breakdown. We could actually go to summer camp and it wouldn't cost anything. The only cost was memorizing 300 Bible verses. 300. I was eight years old. I thought I could do that and so I took on the assignment. So I took all of my information home. I gave it to my mom and dad and I said, I want to go to camp. And they said, great, we'll help. So every morning at 6 a.m. my father would come into my room And my clock would go off, Daddy would walk in, and he would pray for me, and he would say, Father, I pray for Phyllis as she memorizes these scriptures. Help her plant these as seeds in her heart. By the end of the school year, I had actually memorized 300 Bible verses. Woo, I was so happy. I couldn't believe I had done that. And I was excited about going to camp almost until right about two weeks before camp. And then I started to get apprehensive because I remembered that I was eight years old and I'd never been away from home. And secondly, no one else in my class had actually taken on this assignment. So I was the only one in my class going. I wouldn't know anyone. My parents dropped me off on a Saturday. By Wednesday of the first week of my two-week reward, I called my mom and said, can you please come get me? Because I'm homesick, I wanna come home. That next Saturday, they picked me up I was so frustrated that I hadn't gotten my full reward. I was supposed to have gotten two weeks, and even though I was glad to go home, I still felt shorted. But I didn't know what my real reward was, because actually this understanding of whose I am and who I am came from Scripture. You see, I learned in Isaiah 43 that I belonged to Him, that He had called me by name and I was His. I learned in Psalm 17 that I was the apple of God's eye. I learned in Jeremiah 29 that God had a plan for my life. And I learned in Psalms that He was my hiding place, that He was my rock, my deliverer, everything in my life. I had no idea how these scriptures planted as seeds in my heart would impact so many situations in my life. 
particularly one beautiful spring day when my husband Joe and I had been married 22 years. My husband was about to go outside to mow and he made a comment about, I've, I've got terrible indigestion. And we recalled together what he had for lunch and laughed because we thought that was the reason. And so he went outside to mow and I went upstairs to study. And it wasn't very long until I heard very heavy footsteps coming up the stairs. And I ran to the door of our bedroom and I realized my husband was there and he was obviously in excruciating pain. He fell before me. And I remember at that very moment, this tape started to play, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I screamed for my daughter to call 911, which she did. And she also called a neighbor that was a doctor. And she came immediately, and we were giving him CPR. And as we were giving CPR, the entire time, the, the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, was going through my head. The ambulance came, we put him in the ambulance, we got him quickly to the hospital, and as I'm riding in the ambulance, seriously, this tape is playing, and I say to the Lord, Lord, I know you have a plan, and I trust you. I trust you. When we got to the hospital, they took my husband right in, they took my daughter and I into a small room, and we waited. It wasn't very long, maybe, maybe 15 minutes, maybe shorter, that the doctor came and he didn't even walk in the room. He stood at the door and he said, can you tell me what happened today? And I told him just what I've told you. And he said, I'm so sorry. Sometimes the first sign of heart disease is fatal. There was nothing we could do. I sat in that chair for just a minute and I, I heard the words again, for I have plans for you. And I said, but Lord, this doesn't feel like a hope in a future. And then I remembered, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And I said out loud, oh, Lord, it's about trusting you. I could never have imagined that day without the planting of scriptures in my heart. I couldn't have imagined either at that point that God would bring someone else in my life to love. Several years later, I married a man that we called Buddy. What I need to tell you is that only 18 years after Buddy and I were married, we discovered that Buddy had lung cancer. In this great privilege of caring for Buddy, I realized again and again that the power of this scripture, the seeds that had been planted in my heart, had prepared me for this day and all these days of my life. On March the 10th, 2012, Buddy was released to his new home. After the funeral services and everybody else had gone home, I drove into the cemetery. And on that day when I drove into the cemetery, I, I was ready, I thought, but I realized when I drove in that there I was between two graves. My first husband was on the left side and my second husband was buried on the right side of this road and I was overwhelmed for just a minute about where I was and what God had done and in my mind there was this movie of what had happened with each of their deaths. About that time I received a text from the pastor who had spoken at Buddy's funeral and he said, may the love of Jesus wrap you today. And in that moment it took me back to what I know about God. In this presence, 
I heard, I knew you before you were born. I have called you by name and you are mine. I have great plans for you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will dry every tear from your eye. And again, I was reminded of what I have known since I was eight years old, that God is my source of security, self-worth, and wisdom. The power of planting scripture in your heart is that every single time it comes up, in that moment of recall, situations are changed, perspective is changed. I'm so deeply grateful that this is not a story that's a sad story of just death. This is a story of God's faithfulness that at eight years old, he would begin to prepare me for great things in my life. The study of scripture, the power of dwelling in his word, but most of all, that that gives us the opportunity to know him and know the power for our life. Wow, right? Wow, amen. Second point is this, when you break down, pray. First one is read the Bible. Second one is pray. The scriptures that we've already read, they tell us don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If anyone here is sick, call the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. I tell you, church, I've become such a huge proponent of prayer. If you've been hanging out with me at all in the last few months, really the year 2018, uh, you know this is something that uh, I'm really growing into. And, and that's something I really have had to grow into because when I was younger, I struggled with it all because I was like, well, maybe you struggled with this too. What if my prayers aren't answered? Almost like you're afraid to pray. What if it's not answered? Or what if it isn't answered how I want it to be answered? So I kind of became convinced my prayers weren't even doing anything. But as much as I once doubted the effectiveness of prayer, I've noticed, and as you walk with the Lord decade after decade, you kind of just come to a place where you've seen God move in such powerful and supernatural ways. The older you get, just the more you believe in the prayer, uh, the power of prayer. Anyone else notice that? And you know how I know this is true? Who are the greatest prayer warriors in our lives? Grandparents. Grandparents. Grandma, Grandpa, because they've seen what prayer can do. Watch out if you're going to be my grandkid. I'm just going to freak you out. <laughs> if I'm this way at 37, like, hello, hello. Right? I mean, prayer, it's gotten those people. I, I just think about my mom and my dad. It just, it, it's brought them through the worst breakdowns of life, the most difficult of circumstances. It reminds me, Carson, are you here? Carson. Yeah, it reminds me of um, Carson Holler this week, and I asked him for permission to share, but he, he put this out on the prayer line, and this is what he wrote. He said, I picked up a lady at Children's Hospital today. On the way to her home, we were talking. They have five children, and they are Christians. Their newest child, Shanil, is five weeks old. She had the first of a series of surgeries at one week old. The baby has two heart defects, a missing pulmonary valve and holes in the heart, and left lung failure. She also has DiGeorge syndrome, Down syndrome. And then he writes, as I was talking with her, I couldn't hold it together emotionally. When we got to her home, 
I asked her if I could pray for her. And she said, yes. When I finished praying with her, we gave a quick hug and she walked to her house. Carson believes and understands the power of prayer. The power of prayer in the midst of trials, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of the worst loss possible. My question for you is, do you, do you believe in the power of prayer? Maybe today you're tempted in the middle of your breakdown. Maybe you're tempted to think and act like the world would think and act. But by the power of God within you, I plead you, by the power of God within you, today you can choose a better way. You can run to the promises of God's word. You can cry out to the lover of your soul. You can talk to him. Talk to him and listen to what he might want to say to you. In the midst of your brokenness, when the warning light is on, that is exactly the time and the place where God comes in and he brings his healing and he brings restoration and he brings his wholeness. He brings his goodness, his beauty, his love. So I want to invite Micah back up on stage. And I just want him, I've asked him if he'd just play a little bit of music. And I'm going to give us a minute. Just a minute. A minute to sit with the Lord. To sit with the maker of heaven and earth, but also the maker of you. It's the created spending time with their creator. And use this time to meditate on the word. Maybe it is a verse that you learned when you were eight years old. But it's been hidden in your heart. It's a treasure, isn't it? Those scriptures that you've memorized, they're a treasure in your life. Come back to those treasures and put your trust again in the Lord. Or maybe for others of you, it's just to have a conversation with God. Talk to the Lord. Present your requests with thanksgiving. But present it all to Him. All of it. And allow that peace that passes understanding to guard and defend your heart and guard and defend your mind in Christ Jesus. For some of you, the reality is you came in this morning, honestly, you came in feeling like, I am not able to do this. I am in the middle of a breakdown. But Jesus, he's the ultimate spiritual mechanic, isn't he? He's really good at his job. And he's not going to abandon you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you stuck in the middle lane on I-5 going on the ship canal bridge. Today, if we let him, he is willing to do a good work in us. A healing work. A restoring work. So that every one of us can finish well on the road trip of life. Let's spend that time together, and then I'll come back up.
Lord, we pray for Chanel that right now your healing touch would come on her body, invade her from the inside out. Lord, you tell us and give us permission to ask in your name. And so we ask in the name of Jesus, bring healing to this five-week old precious baby girl. Lord, touch her toes, her legs, her arms. You just speak your presence over her heart. Thank you, Jesus. Just, Lord, reveal yourself in miraculous and supernatural ways in this precious life. Lord, for this church, I just pray for each one here, Lord, that we would stop being so surprised when things don't go how we want them to go. Lord, help us to grow into a spiritual maturity that would actually see a faith that would be steadfast. The dangerous, powerful steadfastness of your spirit that rises up within us when the storms hit. And we say, no, my God, I trust in my God. I believe in my God. Even if you take my life away, you cannot take me from the presence of my God. He wins. You lose. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord, would you just encourage us today by your spirit. Encourage us by your spirit. Encourage us by your spirit. Lord, we seek you. We seek you in your word, and we seek you by your spirit. This week, as we leave this place, tonight, going into Monday morning and through the week, would you begin to just, in only the way you can do it, but could you just begin to reveal yourself in beautiful and powerful ways through your word and by your spirit. We're your kids. You're our dad. We want to hear what you have to say. We are listening Speak, Lord. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.